We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's going on everybody welcome back to the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl we have new super bowl champions of course the los angeles rams won the super bowl over the cincinnati Bengals in a game I'm still sort of trying to reconcile. I don't think it was a good game particularly. It was mostly an entertaining game. Definitely a bit more of a defensive struggle with a few big plays mixed in. Definitely some controversy. And I guess, you know, at the end, we did get the opportunity to see both quarterbacks really have a chance to sort of, you know, cement their legacy, if you will. Matthew Stafford had the opportunity to, to go down the field and score a game-winning touchdown, and then Joe Burrow had the opportunity to have the rebuttal. We all know how that ended, but it was a very disjointed game that had a little bit of everything. You had some real injury issues, right? Odell Beckham going down really felt like it changed the momentum in that game uh, from the Rams to the Bengals. Then you had Matthew Stafford get a little bit banged up, and he seemed to mostly be okay. Then Joe Burrow got hurt, and he did not really seem the same after that. Um, you had, of course, the, the T. Higgins touchdown, which had the face mask, which we'll get into more in just a moment. You had the botched extra point attempt. Neither team could run the ball particularly well, especially the Rams, and they kept running the ball. I don't think either you know either coach coached well in this game. You know, McVay kept again running the ball in really odd spots and you had some interesting fourth down decisions. You know, at the end of the game, you know, from a Bengals standpoint, I didn't think they did enough to really try to curb Cooper Cup from being the go-to guy on that final important drive. And then, you know, you're not double teaming Aaron Donald on the most important play of your season on a fourth and one. The plays before that, that set up that, how it took so much time off the clock, and then you run on third and one. Like, just a really bizarre game. And of course, there was controversy from the referees with the Logan Wilson uh, pass interference again, which we'll all get to in more in just a moment. I do ultimately feel like the better team won in this game, although it was close and it definitely ebbed and flowed throughout. This, I know, again, it just was a disjointed game, right? But I do feel like the Rams' defense was really the difference maker here. Now, here's here's how I, here's why I see it that way. 
the the Bengals really only had two drives all game, and it was on their third and fourth drive of the game. On their third drive, they had the six-play, 59-yard drive for a field goal, and on their fourth drive, they had the 12-play, 75-yard drive for the touchdown, and that kind of got them back in, in the game. If you remember, the Rams had a pretty good lead up until that point when they went drive for the field goal, drive for the touchdown. And then their only other, you know, you know, big drive, if you will, wasn't a drive at all. It was the one play 75 yard touchdown to T Higgins, which was super controversial due to what should have been offensive pass interference. Again, more on that in a moment. And then they had the field goal that took place after the Matthew Stafford interception when they got great field position. But my argument would be you had those two drives early in the game, which led to 10 points. You had a field goal that the defense basically generated for you and a 75-yard rather fluke touchdown that really shouldn't have counted. That It just wasn't enough offense generated by the, Bengal, by the Bengals. Excuse me. And here's, here's their drive breakdown. And, and I, I want to go into this in greater detail, which is why I'm really sort of crowning this Rams defense as the difference maker in this game. You started off with a four-play, nine-yard drive with a turnover on downs. Great start for the Rams defense. Then three plays, six-yard punt. Then those two aforementioned field goal and touchdown drives that I mentioned to get them up to 10 points. Then five plays, seven yards punt. One play, negative one yard going into halftime, so the kneel down. You had the one play, 75-yarder for the touchdown. And then here was the rest of the game for the Bengals. Eight plays, 11 yards, field goal following the interception, but they only went 11 yards and eight plays. Three plays, negative three yards, punt. Three plays, five yards, punt. Five plays, negative two yards, punt. Seven plays, 24 yards, punt. Five plays, 26 yards, turnover on downs. I mean, that's that last, what, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six drives of the game. What is it? Eight, 11, 14, 19, 26, 31 plays where they're getting, what, 11, eight, 13, 11, 35, 61 yards. Sorry for the math on the on my head there, but uh, just brutal. Like, and, and again, they go field goal following the interception and then punt, 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 turnover on downs. A brutal stretch for the Bengals offense to end the game. And you take away, again, the, the face mask penalty, you know, what should have been the face, pa- face mask offensive pass interference penalty that went for the 75-yard touchdown. And outside of those two drives and even taking away the kneel down before halftime, it was not the, the Bengals offense went nine drives, 43 plays, so under five plays per drive, 87 yards, so about nine yards per drive, about two yards per play, six punts, two turnovers on downs, and a field goal, which again was all due to the defense and the interception. That is abysmal. So we can talk about all the controversy. We can talk about some of the things that the Rams offense did well. We can talk about some big plays by T. Higgins. Again, controversial a little bit, but in my opinion, this game was ultimately won by the Rams defense. And when it came down to that final Joe Burrow drive at the end, the Rams defense came up huge again. Aaron Donald came up huge again. And ultimately, the Rams were able to pick up a Super Bowl win, get their ring, get their championship, and really you know, help some legacies for some key players, including Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Eric Weddle, even to an odd, weird extent. Um, Of of course, Von Miller, you've got Matthew Stafford and Odell Beckham and Cooper Cup and Andrew Whitworth and so on and so forth. Like some players who really could have used a Super Bowl ring to add to their legacy. And those guys got that. But to me, Rams defense 
was really the the key in this one and really holding the Bengals in check for a vast majority of the game. You know, for me, the drive that changed the game and the careers of all those players that I just mentioned was that that final drive for the Rams. Game on the line, season on the line, Super Bowl on the line, everything, right? You work so hard to get to this point, and the Rams and Matthew Stafford are able to go 15 plays, 79 yards, and a touchdown to take a 23-20 to 20 lead. And when you hear you know, announcers or coaches talk about players, not plays, that's what that drive was about. That drive was about Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. We're going to go out and it's going to be those two that are going to win us the game. It's not going to be Van Jefferson. Odell Beckham's out. You don't have Tyler Higby. You can't run the ball at all. You don't really have a receiving threat out of the backfield. This is going to be Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford. And it, that's exactly what it was. And this is a very controversial drive as well. And I think the thing that's so disappointing about this is they they really called a clean game, meaning they didn't call much at all throughout the entirety of the game. And then you had that really big, really big, you know, brutal Logan Wilson pass interference play, which should have led to a fourth down and eight or fourth and goal from the eight. And I, I think the frustrate. I'll, I'll go into penalties now because I think this is a major conversation point here. Either way, and I think this is the the awful thing for the NFL here. Either way, the losing team would have had a major bone to pick, right? If the Rams lose in a close game with that, you know, T. Higgins touchdown, 75-yarder, where it was a clear offensive pass interference, turns the helmet, brings him down, and scores a touchdown on that play. If the Bengals win by a field goal or whatever the case may be, that's going to be a play that the Rams look at forever and say, how, how do you mess that up? And would rightfully have a bone to pick. On the flip side, you know, if with the Bengals losing and the Rams winning, the Bengals are going to go back forever and say, how can you possibly call a holding on Logan Wilson on that play when you haven't called that all game long? You know, you haven't called plays like that all game long. Is it by the letter of the law, maybe a holding penalty? Maybe a little? Would I ever want to see that called for any team? I don't care if it's the Packers, the Buccaneers, the Cowboys, the Vikings. I just don't want to see that called. I don't care who it is. I don't want to see that called in that situation. As a linebacker covering Cooper Cup in the open field, getting away in a little bit, maybe a little tug, and I don't know. I just, I there's no way, shape, or form with the way that game was called, especially how you didn't call the pass interference of the OPI earlier in the game. And there were a couple other ones, right, where jerseys were tugged clearly and no call was made. And you're calling that one at that point in time, it's just a, it's a sucky play. It's an awful look. And of course it gives the Rams a, a, in, you know, a first down. And then they got another one on another penalty, which was legit in my opinion. But that play, you know, you just want to see the game be decided as much as possible on the field. And I thought they missed a clear call with the T Higgins penalty. I thought they called a play that wasn't there on the Logan Wilson pass interference and you just would have loved to see how the game ends up without those two plays. And overall, overall, outside of those two, I thought it was a well-officiated game. And I think, honestly, even with the T. Higgins play, I mean, I think even if you go down to the wire, if that Logan Wilson penalty isn't there, I think for the most part, you leave that game feeling like, yeah, they missed that Higgins call, maybe in the, the heat of things where everything's happening fast and it's a bang-bang play, maybe you can miss that. 
I think you feel overall pretty decent about how that game's officiated. But that Logan Wilson call at that moment, at that time, with how the game was officiated up until that point, was really, really tough. But, and I, I just think, like, these things are always going to get scrutinized in Super Bowl situations, right? Like, it, there's so much on the line, so much at stake, legacies at stake, a lot of money from a gambling standpoint at stake. Like, everything's just going to get, you know, intensified, and every call is going to get, you know, magnified to the nth degree. I thought there were some things that were maybe nitpicked in this game, but those two plays in particular definitely swung the game in in both ways. All that being said, I didn't feel like overall the officials ruined this game or won the game for the other. Now, I wholeheartedly admit that if that, you know, Logan Wilson penalty is not called and it's fourth and goal from the eight, I like the Bengals' chances of getting off the field there. But we don't know, right? We don't know if on the T. Higgins play, maybe maybe the very next play, maybe they call offensive pass interference on T. Higgins and maybe the next play they go for a touchdown. Like we don't, or maybe they drive down and score a long touchdown. We don't know, right? Maybe there's no defensive holding on Logan Wilson and then on the next play they convert on fourth and eight anyway. And maybe the Bengals, had, like, I don't know. It's just like, we, we have no idea. But what I will say is I wholeheartedly believe that neither of these teams, win or lose, given the situation, can just flat out say the refs cost us the game. I do believe both of these teams had ample opportunities to take this game by the throat and say, this is our Super Bowl. And frankly, neither did. And I think that that's when I go back to my initial comment of saying like, I don't know how I ultimately feel about this game. I don't think either of these two teams played well. I think the Rams defense, again, overall played a really strong game. I thought the Bengals had flashes. I thought there were, again, some flash plays here and there. I didn't leave this game feeling like, wow, this is one of the best football games or best football teams. Like these two are amazing teams. It felt like these were two okay, like okay Super Bowl contenders in a crazy year full of chaos where teams were winning and losing left and right. I don't think that these were the two best teams in the NFL, but that's how the NFL playoffs work. You you have to take the path that's given to you and figure out a way to win. And in this case, I thought the Rams overall played some of their best football of the season in the playoffs. They took all these parts, including Matthew Stafford and Odell Beckham and Von Miller, etc., Eric Weddle, and they found a way to put it together and make it work, which isn't always the easiest thing. We have seen these big splash plays from teams in the past. They make these bold moves and they just fall on their face. That was not the case for the Rams. And I think overall, the Rams deserve a lot of credit. Now, just to sort of wrap things up after that touchdown play, I thought that that Bengals drive following had a real opportunity to at least go down and tie the game. When you get that first chunk play to Jamar Chase on the sideline, I thought they had a real opportunity, and they, especially getting out of bounds, like now you're in position. Like you don't need that much to get into field goal range, especially with Evan McPherson and the way that he's been kicking the ball. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And then you have the next play, which is nine-yard completion, and you're feeling pretty good. You just got a big chunk play to chase. Now you've got a nine-yard completion over the middle, and you've got some momentum. And then everything went to hell because after that nine-yard completion, you let way too much time tick off the clock. And then just at, at like if you're, I'm okay with ticking the time off the clock a little bit there if you're making sure you get in the right play and have something you can easily execute. But to throw a bomb down the field where you and Jamar Chase are not on the same page was a brutal series of events. To let that amount of time tick off and then throw a deep ball there where there's nobody there. Like you just would have been, you would have been so much better just spiking the ball in that situation or just, you know, how you don't have a play called and like at the line, you know, prior to that is beyond me. Like how you don't have a quick call, everyone to the line, we're running quick outs, something, right? Just get something, run the play, try to get out of bounds. If it's incomplete, no big deal. You have two more downs. And then after that, after all that time wore off the clock, now you run on third and one on a very questionable call because yeah, you have the ability to pick up the first down and maybe get that one yard and get a new set of downs. But like, now are you going to use your time out there? Are you going to get a spike? Like, what's your next plan? I just, I hated that play call. And I also, I just want the ball, like you couldn't run all game. You couldn't run all game. Like just such a brutal play call in that decision. Like just put the ball in Joe Burrow's hands. I even a banged up Joe Burrow, put the ball in his hands, let him distribute. And that was a brutal call. And then you have to call the timeout and then on fourth down, come back and then really screw things up even more by on the most important play of your season, not double teaming Aaron Donald on that play. You cannot let him go one. I believe it was Quentin Spain on the left side. Uh, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong in comments, but I believe it was Quentin Spain on the at left guard. You cannot let Quentin Spain, I don't care who it was. I literally don't care who it was. I don't care if it was Larry Allen in his prime. Like I don't like, I don't care if it's Quentin Nelson. I don't care who it is. I do not care. You cannot let Aaron Donald be one-on-one in that situation, especially following the timeout, especially after following, you know, following the timeout. I can see if things are rushed and you just don't have the ability to, you know, make those checks or whatever, like following the timeout, you're just going to be like, yeah, you know what? Aaron Donald, Quentin Spain, one-on-one, fourth and one season, Super Bowl, everything on the line. We feel pretty good about that. Just, just a brutal series of events for the Bengals. And that's really how the entire second half went for them. It was it was a poor performance by the Bengals on offense. Never could get anything going. Even with Beckham out and the Rams scuffling and getting an interception uh, off a of Stafford, two interceptions, but one in that second half that set up points, just never got things going. Even after giving a really giving a gift on the T. Higgins touchdown, 
uh, that, that's going to be one I think that stings for a long time for the Bengals because they have a really good offense. I know the Rams are really good on defense and they deserve a ton of credit for how they performed, but the Bengals have to be better there. And again, that's why I go back to my initial point of, I think for all the things that you want to talk about in the Super Bowl, the Rams defense to me earned this Super Bowl. And I think they earned it throughout the playoffs, 49ers, Buccaneers, etc. Wasn't just this last game, uh, but this was another huge example of it. And as far as you know, as, as far as like MVP of the game, I know there was sort of some uh, back and forth of like, should it be Cooper Cup or Aaron Donald? I would have been fine with either. I thought both were phenomenal. I think Cooper Cup was deserving. He picked up that huge, you know, fourth down run. He had, um, he had the touchdown that got the game, you know, game winning. I think he had two touchdowns. Like he had a really phenomenal game too. Uh, you want to give it to Aaron Donald? I, I would have been totally fine with that as well. Um, and like I said, I thought the defense was, you know, the reason they won. So you could easily say that in that case, it needs to go to Aaron Donald. Fine with that, but no real issue uh, with with Cooper Cup in that game. Yeah, I think that's I think that's all I really have to say about the Super Bowl. I think the 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 big thing for me that that just stings, right, is that I really feel like following that game even more that the Packers were just a better team than either of those teams, and that stings. And again, that's the way it goes in the NFL. You don't you, you have to beat the team in front of you. San Francisco wasn't a great matchup in the cold. Green Bay still should have won that game. And I think they should have won against the Rams, and I think they should have won against the Bengals. And I said it at the time uh, when it, you know, when we found out what path it would have been. 49ers at home, Rams at home, Bengals in the Super Bowl. That's a very winnable path. A very, very, very winnable path to becoming Super Bowl champions and bringing another Lombardi back to Green Bay. And they can they couldn't get the job done. And that's frustrating. The new year is a great time to focus on what's important to you. Whether it's saving money by ordering less takeout, learning to cook, or prioritizing your wellness, HelloFresh is here to help you with endless options to make cooking at home simple and enjoyable. Personally, I'm really trying to work on my weight this year. And when I found out that HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients right to my door, including farm fresh produce that arrives within a week, I was all in. Skip the trips to the grocery store, saving you long wait times and ensuring you don't waste your money on excess food and sign up for HelloFresh instead. HelloFresh has helped me eat fresher food with better portion control and has helped me live a healthier lifestyle. I highly recommend the teriyaki chicken tenders, by the way. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Packaday16 and use code Packaday16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash Packaday16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Remember to use code Packaday16. That's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? We've all struggled with mental health in different ways, especially during a pandemic, and I'm certainly no different. Keeping myself centered mentally is such a huge part of my overall health goals, and that's where BetterHelp has helped me. BetterHelp has the ability to assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas, and the service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist, plus you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. You can even schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't have to ever sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. 
BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed, and it's more affordable than traditional offline therapy. Plus, financial aid is available if needed. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit betterhelp.com slash packaday. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. And of course, we have a special offer for Packaday listeners, as you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash packaday. However... What I do want to point out here, because there was sort of transitioning here from Super Bowl to Packers, there were some reports that came out. Aaron Rodgers, the Packers are interested in making him the highest paid quarterback, somewhere between 45 and 50 million a year with void years and really going all in on Aaron Rodgers, building the team around him, borrowing massive assets from the future to build this team this year. The Packers seemingly put out this to both Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport in some capacity that they are ready to go all in with Aaron Rodgers. There's two different things to address here. One is why, and two is the people that are freaking out and panicking saying like, how can you possibly do this? Why, you, you know, why would you give Aaron Rodgers this much money and things like that? Let's address number two first. I get wanting to move on from Aaron Rodgers. I get it from if you're fed up with some of the, I don't know if you want to call it drama or just anything that happened in the last 365 days, Aaron Rodgers related. If you're fed up with that and just ready to move on, I understand. I get it. That's your prerogative. And you're certainly not going to get an argument from me. If your thought process is, listen, the Packers just had this amazing team back to back. MVP quarterback Aaron Rodgers had the opportunity in three straight seasons to win in the playoffs and get to the Super Bowl. And you have two wins in three playoff runs with Aaron Rodgers as quarterback, playing at a very high level with talent all around. And it takes three wins at minimum to win a Super Bowl in any one season. You could only get two in three seasons. What possibly makes you think that now with a worse team next year, paying Rodgers more money, that you're possibly going to put a better team together and now make a run in the playoffs to win a Super Bowl? If that's your thought process, I totally understand that. And I get that. And I don't have a massive argument against it. If your thought process is along those same lines, but taking it a step further and just saying, you know what, just from a pure economic standpoint, one to two years of Aaron Rodgers and the sort of declining team because you're running out of money and resources or being able to trade him for three first round picks, save salary cap down the road, sort of readjust the money and kind of get back in the green over these next couple of years, give Jordan Love an opportunity to succeed. That to me economically seems like a much better path for future and long-term success then one to two years, maybe with Aaron Rodgers playing at a high level. I totally get that as well. I understand that thought process and I would not argue against you. And of all those things that I just mentioned, that would probably be the one where I would lean towards that economically. And from a long-term standpoint, I think you could make a strong argument that if you're able to get that mother load, three first round picks, second round pick, couple players, Jerry, Judy, someone like that, like 
I'm in. I think that you could be much better off doing something like that, especially if then you take those first round picks, maybe move them back, gain more assets. Like you'd be surprised at just how many resources you could gain on this team in a very short period of time. So I understand that as well. However, while I understand all of those without question and don't ultimately have like a great argument against any of them, what I will say is to panic and think that like moving what the Packers are doing potentially with going all in again with Aaron Rodgers and taking that opportunity is just this boneheaded, stupid move. I disagree with that. And here's, here's why I disagree with that. A Packers team with Aaron Rodgers, let's just say they go all in and the two main pieces that they go back all in with are Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, right? And which I think is a fairly safe assumption. At minimum, and I mean at minimum, you have a potential core roster next year, once a couple guys get healthy, of Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, Jair Alexander, and Eric Stokes. That is a ton of top-tier talent at premium positions. That group, that group of 10, with a few more pieces here and there, is a Super Bowl-worthy top 10 of a roster and could compete with anyone in the NFL on any given Sunday, including for a championship. Wholeheartedly believe that. As I've mentioned in the past, Super Bowl teams are built in two ways. Your top-end talent is just balling out at an insane level, or you just have a really good overall team. Maybe you don't have the superstars, but you have just, you, you, you very, you know, you don't have many weaknesses. And I, you know, and sometimes obviously the best of the best have both, right? Which, you know, I think Green Bay had an opportunity to have both this year. I think they had the high-end players and I think they had a really sound roster overall. Their special teams let them down. Their offense let them down at the worst time. It happens. Seems to happen a lot, unfortunately, to Green Bay in key situations. But I do believe that the top-end talent that Green Bay possesses is capable of still winning a Super Bowl. And the biggest misconception the biggest misconception that everyone has is that you have to have this perfect team to win a Super Bowl. Did you just watch what I watched? The Rams and the Bengals are far from perfect. The Bengals don't have an offensive line and they were this close to winning a Super Bowl and that is far from their only deficiency. The Rams legitimately could not run the ball. They didn't have a tight end in this game. Once Beckham went down, they had one wide receiver that was a legitimate threat at any time. Matthew Stafford was still turning the ball over. Now their defense played great, still gave up some big plays here and there, but there were issues. this is not a perfect Rams football team. Guess what? They are your Super Bowl champions. You don't have to have perfect players at perfect spots at every position. You have to have players playing their best football at the right time, and that's what's avoided Green Bay. So if Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur feel like that top 10 that I just mentioned, Rodgers, Adams, Jones, Dylan, Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Gary, Clark, Alexander, Stokes, at minimum. And oh, by the way, there's probably at least like a Preston Smith and Adrian Amos, um, you know, John Runyon Jr. Um, and probably maybe even a few more names added to that list as well as like, you know, obviously Darnell Savage, if he can get playing at a high level again, Dean Lowry might be included in that. Like there's going to be more than that, but that's like at a minimum, maybe either a Razul Douglas or a Devondre Campbell, but at minimum, if you've got that group of players, you have the ability to succeed. 
And so if that's their, that's their goal and that's what they want to do, I understand it. And the last thing I'll say about that is, is this, and the fact that you could make a very strong argument that no matter what they do with Rodgers and trading them and getting picks, that the best opportunity that Green Bay would have to win the Super Bowl in the next decade is by putting this team back together and, and trying to win a Super Bowl with the, the roster the way that it sort of is right now. I think you can make a strong argument that way because there's no guarantee that Love or any other quarterback that you get back in you know to replace Aaron Rodgers over the next decade, maybe even more, will, will ever be able to get you back to a Super Bowl or win a Super Bowl. You still have Aaron Rodgers. And I know the consistent pain of not coming up big in the playoffs is real and it's a legitimate concern and it's something that they have to overcome. But I don't think that this is a be-all end-all of just like, it's doom and gloom if Rodgers is back and they're paying him 50 million. And like, I just, I don't see it that way. This is a team that will still be clearly NFC North champions and just has to play better when the time is right, which is something that's avoided them. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The other thing that I wanted to talk about there is why did this get out? And I know that there was some you know, suspicion. I think Andrew Brandt and a couple others are like, this is interesting because the Packers are normally a team that really keeps things close to the vest. So how did Schefter and Rappaport on the same day get the same information that the Packers are willing to go all in and make him the highest paid quarterback, et cetera? The only point in leaking that information is if if you want to make sure that you're the ones that are sort of looking like the good guy. And then that brings the connotation of why would you want to do that? Are you concerned? And it's twofold, right? You're concerned that Rogers is going to ask out or ask for a trade and you want to make sure that it's Rogers that looks like the guy that wants the trade and not the Packers. Or Rogers is really contemplating retirement and you really want to get it out there and say, like, just to everyone and be like, just so everyone knows, we are a million percent committed. If he retires, this is not due to us not giving him the sun, the moon, and the stars. We are willing to make him the highest paid quarterback, run this all back, bring back Devontae Adams, do everything we need to do this again. But it's it's up to Aaron at this point. So the timing and the fact that Rappaport and Schefter both get this on the same day and that, again... Take it for what it will, but it does seem like Green Bay wanted this out in some capacity. As I've mentioned throughout this, nothing changes for me right now. I still believe Aaron comes back, and I still believe that Green Bay is at face value, that they legitimately want him back. But the leak is a little bit intriguing as to why that's out and who that benefits. And it would seem to benefit Green Bay, especially if Rodgers wants to go in another direction. So I don't think this 
path is completely cleared yet. And I think we have a lot of things still to go over, but I'm still, as of this point, leaning that Rodgers is back in Green Bay. Last but not least, really quickly, as I wrap things up here, there was a fun little tweet on Twitter on Sunday that said, is Jordan Love the worst draft pick of all time? Which, no. (laughs) I mean, I know that this was hyperbole, and I know that this doesn't even really need too much discussion because it's just a garbage tweet that doesn't really need that much addressing, right? Anyone with any sort of common sense can come to the easy conclusion that this is not the worst pick of all time. Even if he's a massive bust from here on out, you could argue that he got Aaron Rodgers playing at MVP level for back-to-back seasons and gave Green Bay an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. That could be argued at minimum. Even if Green Bay wanted to right now, I believe they could get probably at least a third round pick back for him. Um, There are four players from that same draft class who were taken in the first round of that draft who are out of the NFL entirely. Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, Isaiah Wilson, Jeff Gladney are out of the NFL completely. That was a draft two years ago, two years ago, and four of them are out of the NFL. There are others that aren't on the same team anymore, C.J. Henderson, um, and there's others that just haven't worked out, Jalen Rager, and, and others as well. But the Raiders in that draft, draft drafted Henry Ruggs and Damon Arnett. They could have had Tristan Wirfs and Justin Jefferson. Isaiah Wilson was a massive bust. Jordan Love's not even the biggest bust in his draft class, and certainly not the biggest bust of the Green Bay Packers, because Tony Mandrich would like a word. Like... It's just the dumbest of all tweets, uh, just the dumbest of all ideas. And and the biggest reason why is we have zero idea, zero idea what Jordan Love is going to become right now. You don't know. I don't know. The Packers don't know. Jordan Love doesn't know. His mom doesn't know. Certainly nobody on Twitter knows. We just don't know what Jordan Love is going to become. He could be great. He could be crap. We don't know. It's not leaning great at the moment, and I will readily admit that. And I certainly am not still like, People wanted to reply back to me on Twitter and be like, oh, you're just Packers media defending the pick. I'm not defending the pick. I'm not saying it was a great idea. I'm certainly not saying it's what I would have done in that situation. I can understand it and I get it and I respect it. Um, And I will certainly defend it to say it's not the worst draft choice of all time. But yeah, whatever you want to make of it, dumb hyperbole on Twitter. It's what we should probably come to expect at this point. And yeah, I'll leave it at that. Jordan Love as of this point in time, nor do I think it could even be possible. I don't think if if Jordan Love never plays a snap in his career and retires tomorrow, I don't think it's the worst draft pick of all time. I don't even think it's close. So, And we're very far from that. All right, that's going to do it for me today. Thank you for joining me. In my opinion, I know it's not a new league year yet, but to me, the 2022-2023 season starts today. We are going to start getting news fast and furious Trades are going to start to be announced, even though they can't be consummated until the league's, you know, the new league year starts. There's going to be a ton of drama with maybe more retirements, especially on the Rams side. Aaron Donald might retire. Andrew Whitworth probably will retire. Is Sean McVay going to keep coaching? Carson Wentz sounds like he's going to be out on the Colts side of things. Like this is going to be a drama fun filled offseason buckle in and make sure you're subscribed to the audio and video podcast if you're not already, because we will cover everything from a Packers standpoint, 365 days a year. You never want to miss it. So subscribe, like, comment. I appreciate you all. Thank you for joining me. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.